Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man We love it Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville All right, good day, tokers and tokets and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Monday, February 8th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here on this day after the Super Bowl. I hope you had a Super Bowl while you enjoyed the Super Bowl. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit about that in hour two. We're going to keep hour one chock full of marijuana information today. And I want to thank the longtime listeners who followed us here to CannabisRadio.com. Still, you know, sorting out a lot of things, building up Cannabis Radio and... I've had to move out of my old studio location and home to a new location. Uh, so I'm streaming to you live from Herb Thrasher's place. That's right, my friend Scott Gordon. And uh, we've set up a studio here that we've decided to keep calling Rolla J Studios because it's not the building it's in. It's the people that are on it that make it Rolla J Studios. So uh, we're going to keep calling it that. But uh, in the meantime, I've had all sorts of difficulties getting set up. I, I went and recorded a show last week that turned out all silent. So if you're wondering where some of the podcasts went, it's because I didn't have the recording settings uh, properly programmed and uh, <laughs> recorded two hours of silence. I'm recording on two separate uh, setups now just to be sure that we get a recording for today. So uh, we get all of these weird uh, problems out of the way and keep things going as we're used to here on the Russ Belville Show. On today's show, it's Monday, so we get our dose of cannabis science from Dr. Mitch Earlywine. He'll be calling in at half past, and we take your live calls at 971-533-7111. If you'd like to ask Dr. Mitch a question about cannabis science, culture, history, or health, he either knows the answer or knows who does. So we're going to be talking about all sorts of things in today's cannabis science, including uh, that study uh, that shows that uh, marijuana consumers are uh, less likely uh, to get uh, fat. (laughs) That's good news for me and uh, to lots of people out there. Also, the study on marijuana and verbal memory. We've got a look at that new vaginal suppository. That made big news over the weekend to relieve uh, menstrual cramps for women. So we'll talk about that. We've also got a study that supposedly links marijuana and heroin use. We'll see if Dr. Mitch can debunk a little bit of that for us. Plus, we've got a rundown on the top five latest science scientific advancements in cannabis science. That would be uh, marijuana and alcohol, marijuana and opioids, marijuana and migraines, marijuana and IQ, and marijuana and weight gain, as I mentioned earlier. So stay tuned. We're going to get tons of information in your brain right through your ear holes here on the Russ Belleville Show. Boy, that sounds kind of dirty, doesn't it? Uh, We've also got today time for a radical rant. Uh, In my rant today, I'm taking on the establishment Democrats who believe that the insurgent campaign of Bernie Sanders is fueled by trolls. That's right. It's the Internet trolls that are making everyone hate Hillary Clinton. It has nothing to do with her past or her positions. It's all sexism and Internet trolls. So we're going to talk about that in the radical rant. Also on the show today, we've got some drug war data mining that asks, is it cheaper to buy weed on the street 
or in a dispensary, we look at six different states and what are the average prices on the black market and on the in the dispensaries in six legal or medical marijuana states that have a huge market. Also, in Behind the Headlines, we ask, why is pot child endangerment, but a loaded gun is not? And we start everything off right after this first break with the Cannabis Radio News. In the news today, Woody Harrelson wants to open up a dispensary in Hawaii. The Mormon Church is against medical marijuana in Utah. We've got a count of New Yorkers who've subscribed to the medical marijuana program there. The Oregonian talks about research on cannabis and funding that research. And Harrisburg, Pennsylvania might join Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in decriminalizing weed. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gather with fellow cannabis companies past the Golden Gate to San Francisco and the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference, February 13th and 14th at the fabulous Hyatt Regency. Register now at InternationalCBC.com. Learn from leading industry luminaries like cannabis celebrity legend Tommy Chong, former Surgeon General Dr. Joycelyn Elders, best-selling author Andrew Sullivan, and so many more. Plus, exhibitors, expert panels, and education made to calibrate your new or existing cannabis plan. Catch CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show at the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference and register at InternationalCBC.com now. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, February 8, 2016. Actor and marijuana advocate Woody Harrelson was one of nearly 60 applicants to apply to open one of Hawaii's first medical marijuana dispensaries. Harrelson, age 54, applied for a license in Honolulu County under his company, Simple Organic Living. 
The Hawaii Department of Health posted the list of 66 applications on its website Friday. The state is now reviewing applications for dispensary permits, which they will award in April. Video game entrepreneur Hank Rogers also applied for a license under his company, Blue Planet Healing, which advocates for energy independence across the state. Rogers, age 61, is famous for discovering the video game Tetris more than 20 years ago and lives in Hawaii in an entirely solar-powered home. Among other applicants include Dirk Fukushima, producer of the local television show Hawaii Stars, and former University of Hawaii regent Charles Kawakami. If selected, dispensary applicants must have $1 million cash before applying for licenses, plus $100,000 for each dispensary location. All applicants must have been Hawaii residents for more than five years. The Mormon Church has come out against a Utah bill that would allow the medical use of edible pot products, a position that could be a serious blow to one of the two medical marijuana proposals before state lawmakers. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints said leaders are worried about the unintended consequences of the measure proposed by Republican Senator Mark Madsen of Eagle Mountain. A majority of Utah lawmakers are members of the Salt Lake City-based faith, and the church's position on an issue can be decisive. The church doesn't object to another, more restrictive medical marijuana bill that would allow access to a marijuana-infused oil, church spokesman Eric Hawkins said in a statement. Both medical marijuana bills have gotten committee approval and are expected to be debated before the full Utah Senate within the next week. Some 551 New Yorkers have been certified to obtain medical marijuana nearly one month after the New York Medical Marijuana Program started. More than 330 physicians have recommended for the New York Medical Marijuana Program, meanwhile have registered with the state, a requirement for doctors who want to be able to authorize the drug for patients. The figures come from the state's Department of Health in response to questions posed Friday by the Associated Press. To receive marijuana, patients with certain qualifying conditions must get a certification from a physician who is registered with the state's program. The patient must then apply for a state registry card. The medication is available only in non-smokable form and can be obtained from a state-regulated dispensary. Noel Crombie of The Oregonian reports that a task force of state officials, scientists, and leading physicians recommends that Oregon should fund an independent marijuana institute to support and conduct world-class research into the cannabis's medical and public health benefits. Tax dollars generated through recreational marijuana sales would supplement private funding to underwrite the quasi-public Oregon Institute for Cannabis Research. The center would hire research scientists as well as staff to help academic researchers navigate the complexities of federally sanctioned cannabis research. The recommendation, included in a report submitted Monday to the legislature by the task force, calls for Oregon to break new ground by providing a sustained source of state money to support marijuana research. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is looking to join Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in reducing the charge of marijuana possession to the same level as a traffic ticket. Legislation to change the crime from a misdemeanor to a summary offense is expected to be introduced Thursday at the City Council Legislative Session. The move would allow for more effective policing, said Harrisburg Mayor Eric Pappenfuse. Quote, it's a strain on police officers because they need to testify in court, he said. It's tying up the judicial system unnecessarily, end quote. By shifting the charge to a summary offense, more defendants will simply pay their fines and reduce the amount of times officers need to camp out in court, he said. Harrisburg's proposal differs from Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, most notably in that people will only get two chances to take advantage of the lower-level crime. A first summary offense would carry a fine of $100. A second offense would be $200. But if someone is caught possessing a small amount of marijuana for a third time, the charge bumps back up to a misdemeanor, which carries a larger fine 
and stays on the person's permanent record. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, February 8th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. This weekend, my heart was broken as I took a look around the Huffington Post front page, as I often do, and scrolled down to find a story that talked about an 11-year-old boy who murdered an 8-year-old girl. Uh, the 11-year-old's name is Benjamin Tiller. And he will spend the rest of his childhood, up until age 19, in the custody of the state of Tennessee. Now, Benjamin was just convicted of the first-degree murder of eight-year-old Michaela Dyer, a little girl who lived in the same trailer park as he did in Tennessee. The story talks about how Benjamin uh, had gone hunting often with his father and grandfather, had been trained in firearm safety, had often shot the firearm. Benjamin, it turns out, had been teasing and bullying Michaela for a while, and there was some situation in which Michaela had some puppies, and uh, she wouldn't share the puppies or let Benjamin see the puppies or something like that, and Benjamin got angry. So he went back into the trailer, and he got the shotgun, made sure it was loaded, cocked the hammer, aimed it out the window, and fired a blast right into Michaela Dyer's chest that eventually killed her. Meanwhile, in another story, the 11-year-old son of Shona Banda is spending his childhood without his mother in Kansas. His crime was the audacity to tell school officials in a drug education class that their sinister claims about marijuana were unfounded. His mother, Shona, 
uses cannabis to treat her Crohn's disease, and it saved her life. And he's been well-educated on the subject of medical cannabis. So when the school officials started telling lies about marijuana in the class, he said it's not marijuana, it's cannabis, and began to tell them how it was a medicine that helps his mother, and etc. That led to calls to Child Protective Services. That led to calls to police. That led them to call a judge to get a warrant. They went to Shona's place and kept her outside of her home while they secured the warrant. She couldn't go inside her home. They finally got the warrant, went in, and found you know her medicine, of which she has a lot of because she's a Crohn's patient. So, of course, they took Shona's 11-year-old son away. They arrested her, charged her with all of the marijuana crimes. Now, can you guess which of those two parents, Benjamin's father or Shona Banda, is facing child endangerment charges. Now, just so we're clear, the father in the first story taught his kid how to fire a shotgun, took him out to kill animals with a shotgun, and left a shotgun and ammo available to his unsupervised kid, who then straight up murders a little girl. The mother in the second story uses cannabis as medicine, taught her kid cannabis was a non-toxic medicine that saves her life, and the kid is not found to have ever ingested cannabis, but he then tells the truth about cannabis in a drug education class in school. So, which one is facing the child endangerment charge, the father or the mother? Well, if, if you guessed the parent whose kid had access to accurate education about cannabis, you are correct. That's the person facing the child endangerment charge, Shona Banda, the mother. If you guessed the parent whose kid had access to a shotgun and used it to murder, well, you're sane, but unfortunately, you're also incorrect. The father, the parents, in the case of Benjamin Tiller, not facing child endangerment charges. Despite the fact they endangered their own child by leaving him with a loaded weapon and ultimately killed another child. Folks, there are so many stories I have of these marijuana-consuming parents, whether they're medical marijuana patients or just recreational, whose kids don't smoke pot, and then those parents lose their children and face charges of child endangerment when the authorities find pot or pot plants in the home. And I also have so many stories of gun enthusiast parents who are hunters or otherwise, whose children shoot and kill people, who then keep their children and don't face charges of child endangerment. I've been thinking about this since late April of 2013. Lindsay Reinhart, my friend, was the chief petitioner for an initiative to legalize medical marijuana in Idaho. She suffers from multiple sclerosis and uses cannabis medically. She went out of town to the remote mountains and left her kids at home with an adult babysitter. Through a series of events, police end up at her home, intimidate their way past the babysitter, find her medicine, and the kids are promptly taken that moment by Child Protective Services. But in that very same week of late April 2013, a mother in the neighboring county had left her three-year-old and a 10-month-old in the car while she ran back into the house. The three-year-old found the loaded handgun the mother had stored in the car and fired it, hitting the 10-month-old in the cheek. The mother hears the shot and dials 911. Later that night, she's got the infant back from the hospital. Her three-year-old was never taken away. 
And the county prosecutors filed no charges. Maybe I just don't understand the concept of endangerment. It means to put something or someone into danger, doesn't it? How could anybody possibly imagine that a child is in more danger from parents than use cannabis than parents that leave loaded guns lying around? Get your own medicinal marijuana cards. It's disgusting. But maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective. Maybe we're not endangering the kids' lives. We're endangering the kids' minds from knowing the truth about cannabis and not accepting a world where guns are just left lying around everywhere. Happy 420 Mountain Time Zone and congratulations, Denver Broncos. Smoke one on me. We'll be right back. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at a post that's up on Priceonomics.com, the most expensive and cheapest cities to buy weed. Uh, talks about whether buying weed on the street or weed at a dispensary is cheaper as well. And it opens by telling us there are more than 5,000 marijuana dispensaries across the United States. The states that they're looking at for the data are California, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, and Michigan. These would be the six states that have robust medical marijuana dispensaries. And, of course, Washington, Colorado, and Oregon now have legal uh, recreational sales as well. So they talk about how there are so many different types and where are the cheapest places to buy marijuana. And what they say is overall, Portland and Denver have the best value for big cities 
for price per ounce. Uh, Portland, currently $211 average dispensary price per ounce. Denver, $219. Other uh, cities, uh, Bend, Oregon at $217. Spokane, Washington at $216. And Seattle at $240. As we look at uh, Arizona, the price bumps up a bit, 286 in Phoenix, 291 in Tucson. And throughout California, 308 in Sacramento, 301 in San Francisco, 269 in LA, 316 in San Diego, 282 for Detroit, Michigan, and the most expensive weed from a dispensary, from a large city that is, Ann Arbor, Michigan at $338 per ounce. Statewide, the lowest price per ounce of dispensary marijuana comes to the state of Oregon at $214 an ounce, Colorado second at $225, Washington $238, Arizona $290, California $299, and Michigan $301. So both California and Michigan sitting at around the $300 an ounce level that I used to pay for black market weed in Idaho uh, over 15 years ago. So uh, still expensive prices. I would like to note... That nowhere in this list are you finding the $600 ounces that Steve Sarich and Steve Elliott predicted from I-502. Now, uh, they also are predicting that legalized marijuana in Oregon could drop to as low as $150 an ounce. Now, they also provide a very nice list of 66 cities, uh, the larger and smaller cities, mixed together. And when we're talking about these average prices, we're talking about average marijuana, mid-grade, right? So not the swag and not the super kind, mid-grade marijuana. And we're actually finding that two cities in Colorado top the overall best prices. 192 an ounce in Aurora, Colorado, 205 in Colorado Springs, and then that's followed up by Salem, Oregon at 207, Portland at 211, and Eugene, Oregon at 213, rounding out your top five. The question then goes as to whether or not it's cheaper to buy marijuana on the black market, and you would think that it would be, and they compare the states, and they show what is the percentage savings that you get on the black market. That is, in which places is the legal market not replacing the black market? And that shows Colorado to have the best ratio. It's 223 an ounce for a dispensary ounce. It's 219 for a street ounce. A mere 2% difference. Michigan, a 9% difference. You can get it from 301 down to 274 on the black market. Oregon, 214 to 191, an 11% decline. Washington, 238 to 210. That's a 12% savings. Arizona, also a 12% savings. Your $290 dispensary ounce goes for 254 on the street. But California by far had the most expensive dispensary prices compared to the street price. $2.99 an ounce average in California compared to $2.18 on the street, a savings of 27%. Now, you can also find incredibly large black market savings when you start to look city by city with Medford, Oregon leading the charge. $2.16 an ounce to buy at a dispensary. You can get it on the street in Medford, for 125 bucks an ounce. That's not a typo, folks. 125 an ounce in Medford, Oregon on the black market, a savings of 73%. Of course, Medford being the farming area in southern Oregon that provides so much marijuana for northern and 
Northern Oregon and the rest of the United States for that matter. No surprise that the wholesale price on the black market might get you down to 125. No other city on this list drops below 187. Sacramento, California's black market ounce, a 65% savings. All this available up on priceonomics.com. I'll send you a link through my uh, Twitter account so you can check out these figures for yourself. The um, worst situation, believe it or not, was in Mesa, Arizona, there were actually four cities where weed on the street is more expensive than dispensary weed. Mesa, Arizona, a 259 dispensary ounce goes for 283 on the street. 219 in Denver goes for 226 on the street. 192 in Aurora goes for 197 on the street. And in Spokane, Washington, $216 an ounce in the dispensary goes for $218 an ounce on the black market. Colorado Springs and Surprise, Arizona, had identical prices for their uh, street marijuana versus their dispensary marijuana. And Vancouver, Washington, Santa Clarita, California, Seattle, Gilbert, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, Portland, Oregon, Inglewood, California, and Tempe, Arizona, all below a 10% difference in their black market and their dispensary marijuana prices. As we get more access... And as more and more states legalize, you're going to see that black market price and that dispensary price get closer and closer. It's not just other dispensaries like 200 or so dispensaries here in Portland that have to compete with each other. These dispensaries all have to compete with the black market. I'm seeing guarantees of $79 ounces here in Portland in some shops. And I'm able to get sun-grown marijuana in Vancouver, Washington for $70, even $60 for a half ounce. Those prices are coming down, folks, and nowhere near the $600 Steve Sarich and Steve Elliott predicted. We're back with Dr. Mitch right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. 
Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E in tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. 32 and a half after the hour. We've got Dr. Mitch on the line. How are you doing, Dr. Mitch? Hello, Dr. Mitch. Can you hear us? Oh, my goodness. I have got a big mess up here where Dr. Mitch can't hear me on the uh, system. I told you we were going through all sorts of difficulties. So, oh, boy. All right. Uh, I'll have to find another way to call Dr. Mitch and get him on the line. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and I'll see what I can do. Oh, my goodness. So much move, so much change, so much difficulty. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Skype options. Where's my audio? It looks like he should be able to hear me. Seems like he's not, though. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, Dr. Mitch, can you hear me now? I can, man. Sorry, it's been kind of a crazy day. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I wasn't sure if my uh, new setup was messed up or I was doing something wrong, but glad to get you on the line and excited to talk about some of these uh, subjects that we've got uh, online today, and the first of which is this uh, this study that says marijuana use impairs verbal memory. And I'm telling you, Dr. Mitch, when I read stories like this, it makes me so, so, um, um, what's the word? Uh if only I could think of it. <laughs> what can you tell us about this? Well, I don't want to make too much of this because, okay, so there's middle-aged users, and if they've used the wild, and what a surprise, they do poorly on one of these verbal learning tasks. But they ran so many tests here that I feel like it's like, you know, if you roll a die enough times, you're bound to get a six sooner or later. I, I, I would want to see this replicate before I make too big a deal out of it. Also, controlling for intoxication at the time of testing is always a big deal. So I feel like unless they sort of have you spend the night in the hospital beforehand, I'm always a little suspicious of performance on these tests, in part because I feel like people who get high a lot every day, what a surprise when they show up the lab, they may already be high. Yeah, and, you know, just from my own experience, I can tell you that if if I've smoked before the show, reading the news is harder for me. It's harder for me to track what I'm reading and, and to keep the, the voice going while I'm reading ahead, you know. 
And and sometimes when I'm just uh, extemporaneously speaking, if I've smoked a little weed, I do find it a little more difficult to find the exact nuance of word that I'm looking for. So when I saw this story, I, I thought there might be something to it, but uh, I'd like to see a little more research myself. Well, the acute effects are undeniable. There's, there's really uh, a problem with word search. They often will have you do things like generate all the words you can think of that start with the letter S or something like that. And unfortunately, you do kind of get caught in these uh, lacunae, if you will, where you, you suddenly are using the same word over and over again or variations on the same word. And that's just part of the intoxication experience. And we actually see that with alcohol as well. But it doesn't mean that there's necessarily a, a long-term effect when you're not intoxicated. And that's why uh, I'll have to wait for the replication. But again, we're talking about relatively small effects on list learning and how often, you know, unless you're uh, incapable of writing down your grocery list, this really is not a kind of task that's going to impair your life. All right. Well, this next story, and believe it or not, this one's in People magazine, so you know it's getting a lot of widestream, mainstream attention. Uh, and it was the story of the new Floria Relief, the uh, vaginal suppositories containing organic cocoa butter, CO2 distilled THC oil, and CBD isolate that promises to maximize the muscle relaxing and pain relieving properties of cannabis without inducing a psychotropic high. Uh, wow, uh, vaginal suppositories for menstrual cramps. Uh, what can you tell us about this? In truth, the mucous membranes can absorb the cannabinoids. So uh, we see sort of the same thing in those delightful lozenges you guys have there in Oregon. It's really the same mechanism, and what can I say? So I'm just uh, sorry I'll never get to try one. <laughs> now, we do have throughout history a lot of uh, information anecdotally about women using uh, cannabis for menstrual craps, do we not? Oh, and in fact, my uh, my student, uh, Melissa Slavin, is gathering some data on that right now. And it really does look like uh, that goes back uh, not only for childbirth, but potentially for menstrual craps to, you know, to ancient days. So, yeah, we, we definitely have some good anecdotal data on that. And I'm hoping we'll soon have some decent self-report. Uh, evidence to publish as well. All right. We've got this interesting study. Uh, I'm seeing it on WWLTV.com, but I'm sure it's reported elsewhere uh, coming out of New Orleans that says a recent study says neurobiologists point to a study in the Journal of Neuropsychopharmacology that suggests a link between smoking pot and future generations using heroin. This isn't even the gateway theory of you smoke pot and then you'll use heroin. It's you smoke pot and your grandkids will smoke use heroin. What can you tell us about this? Well, so this uh, actually started with the alcohol literature. T.K. Lee had uh, basically had these male rats who were drunk all the time and had been kind of bred to be that way, ended up uh, siring uh, pups, you know, little rats, who ended up being at more risk for, for drinking a lot. So it's not inconceivable. I have to take a closer look at the original data on this because I'm suspicious that the dosage is probably, you know, orangutan style huge or that they were exposed, you know, for an outrageous duration. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make too much of it until I, until I actually see it. Odds are high, you know, this is the kind of thing where, they run a whole lot of tests, and they find the one thing that finally works. So, again, let's wait for replication before we go crazy. But if you're you know, trying to uh, get your wife pregnant, by all means, take a little time off. Who knows what will happen? All right. Uh, we've got a question from our chat room asking what you can tell us about the uh, Supreme Court argument that's going on about uh, 
the states that are suing Colorado and whether or not there's any jurisdiction for Nebraska and Oklahoma to even proceed with this suit. Is that something you can get into? Well, um, I talked to a guy who actually had uh, been a Supreme Court clerk, and I was trying to uh, see if there was any kind of precedent for this. And apparently it depends on what kind of argument they make and what route they take. So to say that it's interfering with business as a precedent, and then to, to uh, say that it has something to do with interstate commerce, if they can convince the justices of that, they can pull that off. If they just want to do a uh, straightforward, we're changing the uh, availability of a drug, it doesn't sound like there are a lot of at least recent cases that they can point to for precedent. It's going to be a wild card. It's going to be... Uh, Intriguing to watch, but uh, something that I'm going to definitely watch closely. All right. Well, in this final bit, we've got a great piece on alternate that uh, Paul Armentano, the deputy director of Normal, had uh, published on January 21st. And it listed five de- developments, scientific developments that we've recently uncovered about cannabis. And I just wanted to get your take on each one of them because they are, you know, extraordinary. The first one saying that marijuana consumers very rarely consume marijuana with alcohol, which kind of uh, punctures a hole in some of the prohibitionist talking points. Well, so in fact, those data are pretty clear, and at least as far as simultaneous consumption is concerned, uh, Sarah Smucker had published some data on this, oh, back in the early 2000s. It it doesn't seem to be, you know, two great tastes that go great together. Most folks uh, like one or the other and, and don't really like to mix. We have seen this oddball slowing of metabolism THC in the presence of alcohol, and so a lot of folks don't find it very pleasant and and find it kind of unpredictable. Yeah, all right. This next one is very, uh, very uh, positive for our side. Consuming cannabis helps people kick their opioid dependence, the uh, the exit drug, so to speak. Philippe Lucas and I have published on this once. He published a paper on it without me once, and I was super jealous. But we're only at the self-report range here. Unfortunately, at least in the United States, you're never going to see cannabis sort of prescribed to get off the opiates. But the self-reports, particularly up in Canada, are effusive. People uh, who are addicted to uh, prescription opiates, heroin, and uh, oddly enough, even alcohol say that cannabis is, uh, in in a sense, a way for them to get uh, out of that. The harm reduction community here in the United States is so weak and and so befuddled by federal funding or the absence of federal funding that I I think it's going to be a while before we have compelling, randomly assigned clinical trials for this kind of thing. All right. This next one I can testify to in my own uh, family experience that marijuana mitigates migraine frequency. So Ethan Russo did a wonderful review of all this and tension headache as well, but with migraine, the problem is you got to, as soon as you get a flash or any kind of symptom that a migraine is coming on, you got to run to your vaporizer immediately. It's much harder to undo one once it's gotten going, but if you can catch it in the early stages, the preventative uh, effects are incontrovertible. Excellent. And uh, the long-held uh, talking point, at least since uh, 2012, that cannabis use in adolescence is going to decrease our IQ. This one's been debunked. Fill us in on that. Well, so we still have one data set that, that did show that eight-point decrease that everybody's been ranting and raving about. 
but they always neglect the other group that the weekly users actually had a three-point increase. Yeah. And now we've got new data uh, from another source that uh, are just basically showing, hey, this isn't replicating. I think the clincher here is you should never go to a class high because you're never going to learn anything. So often these IQ tests have what they call crystallized intelligence, things that you should have learned by that certain age, and you're going to miss it if you if you go to class high. And obviously I'm, I'm not uh, in favor of... Uh, use, but, but the clincher here is it doesn't look like there's some kind of brain damage or oddball uh, white matter deficit. It's that occasionally folks who did get high in high school missed out on some important information. And our final piece of scientific uh, un- evidence or, un- or delight here about cannabis, uh, THC inhibits weight gain. I think it's kept me in the same size pants for a while. <laughs> it's funny because we had those correlational data in the first place, and it looks like, you know, we all need a certain amount of pleasure in life, and you're going to get it one place or another. I really am not sure about the mechanism here, but uh, we've seen this in humans now in, in some really large sample studies, so something's going on. All right. Make sure you catch Dr. Mitch Earlywine's podcast here on CannabisRadio.com. It's Burning Issues with Dr. Mitch. Who's coming up next? Uh, as it turns out, I still got that uh, one with Kyle Cushman up. I had to take a little break. I had some things I had to take care of. But I'm eager for folks to comment on that or send me an email if they get a kick out of it. All right. Thanks, Dr. Mitch, for joining us. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks. All right. Stay tuned, folks. We're going to have time for a radical rant. The establishment thinks Internet trolls are why young people don't like Hillary Clinton. We're going to tackle that one for sure. You know, young people smoke pot a lot, too, right? Hillary? This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larravee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. 
The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by The Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. As Bernie Sanders approaches the New Hampshire Democratic primary tomorrow night, he leads by almost 15 points in Huffington Post's pollster poll averages. Hillary Clinton barely eked out a 0.2% win in Iowa, and now the Granite State could put Senator Sanders in the position of frontrunner for the Democratic presidential nomination. This has led to a collective panic on the part of the Clinton campaign, her associated super PACs, and the very foundations of Wall Street. Hillary Clinton's $675,000 speaking fee benefactor, Goldman Sachs head Lloyd Blankfein, recently spoke to CNBC about Senator Sanders' candidacy, saying, quote, It has the potential to personalize it. It has the potential to be a dangerous moment, not just for Wall Street, not just for the people who are particularly targeted, but for anybody who is a little bit out of line, Blankfein said. It's a liability to say, I am going to compromise. I'm going to get one millimeter off the extreme position I have. And if you do, you have to backtrack and swear to people that you'll never compromise. It's just incredible. It's a moment in history, end quote. When the head of Goldman Sachs is telling you that Bernie Sanders' campaign has the potential to be a dangerous moment, you can tell he's clearly worried that the people through the Sanders campaign are waking up to who the real culprits are when the Obama economy posts record Wall Street numbers, but Main Street's still crushed by student debt and stagnant wages. Meanwhile, Hillary's husband, President Bill Clinton, this weekend struck out at Senator Sanders as well for continuing to press the point that Hillary's top five career donors are the big financiers she claims she'll rein in. The big dog said, quote, anybody that doesn't... Oh, wait, I got to do the Clinton impersonation. Anybody that doesn't agree with me is a tool of the establishment, Mr. Clinton said, mocking what he described as the central critique of Mrs. Clinton by Mr. Sanders. But then Bill Clinton pivoted to a new strategy to try to rescue Hillary's flailing campaign, and that's painting the supporters of Bernie Sanders as evil sexist trolls, saying, quote, She and other people who have gone online to defend Hillary to explain why they supported her, have been subject to vicious trolling and attacks that are literally too profane often, not to mention sexist, to repeat. Mr. Clinton, growing more demonstrative, added that the liberal jo journalist Joan Walsh had faced what he had called unbelievable personal attacks for writing positively about Mrs. Clinton. This is clearly a new strategy, blaming the vicious trolls on the Internet... As David Brock, one of the Clinton Super PAC coordinators, talked to Politico about how millennials are overwhelmingly in favor of Senator Sanders, 
taking time to blame the evil sexist trolls, saying, quote, If you study what's being said in social media, the media that millennials are consuming, it is filled with misinformation and vicious lies and sexism in terms that you can't even repeat from his supporters, from other trolls, Brock said. And you wonder why there's such a gap in millennial preference for Sanders over Hillary. I think if people took a look at what they're seeing, that would account for some of the deficit. The fact that they have a misimpression of her, end quote. (laughs) Okay, David Brock, look, I live online, so I won't for one second disagree that there are some evil, vicious, hateful trolls out there. I even keep a special log of some of the things they write about me. But the other thing there's an abundance of online is data. Young people today don't take your word for anything. They can just look it up on their phones and their tablets and their desktops. In my generation, we used to argue at length about, hey, who was that one guy who played that one guy in the movie? You know, that one movie about the thing. We don't argue about that anymore. We just look it up on IMDb. They don't argue about what percentage of the popular vote Bill Clinton won in 1992. They just look it up on Wikipedia. It was uh, 43%, by the way. It's quite telling to me that David Brock believes that if only the millennials were getting their news from the old, respected, owned by six major corporations establishment media, why then they'd like Hillary Clinton much more than they do, and then they'd see through Bernie Sanders' empty promises. But it seems to me like millennials break much more for Sanders because of their access to decades of data and a record on Mrs. Clinton and Mr. Sanders. They can look it up for themselves and see that when she was a Goldwater girl, he was marching for civil rights. They can compare their past positions and their present positions and find that Bernie's rarely wavered on the issues, while Hillary's had to evolve on many of hers, like only supporting gay marriage in 2013 when it was already a fait accompli. But the biggest problem with the attack line about the trolls is that in 2008, Hillary lost to an unknown senator who was smeared as a socialist whose name began with a B. At that time, he had amassed a record number of individual donations and mobilized an amazing online presence that blew past Hillary's campaign and secured the Democratic nomination. I was hosting a political talk radio show at the time on XM Satellite. The trolls then weren't evil sexist trolls. They were evil racist trolls. And they spewed forth bile every bit as repugnant and even more so than what Hillary Clinton has endured thus far. If David Brock wants misinformation and vicious lies, look no further than the birthers, the Reverend Wright attacks, and Obama as a Muslim Manchurian candidate. Like, yeah, somehow he's an evil Muslim and a black separatist Christian simultaneously. So how was it that then-candidate Obama managed to beat Hillary Clinton in the Democratic primaries by a 16-point margin up to age 30, and by an 11-point margin up to age 45. Are evil sexist trolls now more powerful than evil racist trolls then? Or did young people just start paying attention to trolls during this campaign? 
No, what David Brock, what Lloyd Blankfein, what Bill Clinton, and what Hillary Clinton just can't understand is young people, and, and by young I mean under the age of 45, do not trust Hillary Clinton. They see her as a career politician who will say anything, a follower who's a poll watcher, not a leader. They see someone who was wrong on the Iraq war. They see someone who was wrong on Wall Street and finance. They see someone who's wrong on trade deals. They see all these things on the internet that aren't attacks or smears. They are reporting of her positions. That's not an attack or a smear. That's just fact-finding. And the elephant in the room here, um, when we're talking about the support for millennials for Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton, is their stance on marijuana legalization. None of the mainstream wants to talk about that, despite the fact when you look at the polls, especially among young Democratic voters, support for legalization among those age 30 and below, or below age 30, is in the 60 to 70% range. Few issues do millennials see more clearly than marijuana legalization. And yet Hillary Clinton wants to take the slow, plodding approach of barely changing anything only to the level that is already socially acceptable. In her case, rescheduling cannabis from Schedule 1 alongside heroin, LSD, and peyote to Schedule 2 alongside methamphetamine, Oxycontin, and uh, um, cocaine. From Schedule 1 to Schedule 2, now, you know if you've got some cocaine or some oxy or some heroin or some uh, uh, methamphetamine and you don't have a prescription for that, you know what kind of penalties you get, right? The same would exist for marijuana under Hillary Clinton. Removing it to Schedule 2 would be nice for doctors to be able to start to prescribe it in other states. It might free up some insurance payments for some medical users, but it's not going to do a damn thing for the recreational user of cannabis. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is talking about descheduling marijuana, taking it off the controlled substances list and freeing the states to regulate marijuana as they see fit without federal interference. That's part of why the millennials are so much in Bernie Sanders camp, because he speaks the truth and he understands the truth about prohibition. He realizes that you can't just nibble around the edges of it with some schedule two, you know, timidity, you've got to actually take the bull by the horns here, recognize that the people have had it with marijuana prohibition, recognize that the polls are showing that few, if any, people believe the federal government should be interfering with the states on their marijuana stands. Even among Republicans, and especially among millennial Republicans, they believe that the government should butt out when it comes to the states legalizing marijuana. And even millennial Republicans support legalization of marijuana. So David Brock, Lloyd Blankfein, Bill Clinton, you can try to misdirect everybody into thinking it's the big, bad, evil internet. It's the evil online sexist trolls that are causing Hillary Clinton's downfall in the Democratic primary. But you need to start looking at how the younger generation looks at Hillary Clinton's priorities, her integrity, and her stand on the issues they care about. Just like she's saying, well, let's not deschedule it, let's reschedule it. Same with the, uh, the student loans. Let's not make colleges free, let's make them debt-free. 
Like, you still have to take out loans for them, but you won't go into debt debt. We won't have interest on it. You just have to pay it back. She wants to kind of incrementally move things, keep things going in the same model as Barack Obama, which for the past eight years has been great for Wall Street, not so great for those of us on the ground. Hey, that's all the time we got for Hour 1. We'll take this conversation into Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. We got your calls coming up at 971-533-7111. For everyone here at Roller J Studios, I'm Radical Russell. Until next time, take care of each other, Tokers! This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you're trying, you're rolling, you're smoking. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you're trying, you're rolling, you're smoking. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you're trying, you're rolling, you're smoking. It goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tope. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. And is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. It's 4 o'clock in the Pacific Time Zone. Radical Russ here at Roller J Studios in beautiful, legal Hotland, Oregon for the rest of this week. Friday, I fly up, or fly down, I guess I should say, to San Francisco, California. I'll be a part of the International Cannabis Business Conference taking place in San Francisco at the Hyatt Regency on the 13th and 14th. Tommy Chong, Dr. Joycelyn Elders, Andrew Sullivan and more and i'm going to have a special show tomorrow tune in tomorrow for a special half hour panel interview with anthony johnson from the uh, measure 91 campaign the man who got marijuana legalized here in oregon among others i mean he he's always very uh very humble about not taking all the credit for it but come on he was the public face Debbie Goldsberry will be here. She's a longtime advocate activist in California. We'll talk to her, see what's up 
and our good friend Ngaio Bilam, cannabis comedian and activist. Uh, he will be emceeing at the International Cannabis Business Conference. We're going to talk for half an hour about marijuana politics, the uh, blog that uh, Anthony is a big part of, and marijuana politics, what's happening in California and Oregon and the rest of the West Coast. And we'll give a little preview to the International Cannabis Business Conference. When we get to Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio, you can call in. And ask questions of Ngayo, Debbie, and Anthony on tomorrow's show. The phone number is 971-533-7111. And uh, it'll be a great half hour of question and answers for tomorrow's show. So tune in tomorrow, our International Cannabis Business Conference special on the Russ Belville Show. And uh, speaking of ICBC, uh, news came out today that International Cannabis Business Conference will actually be going international Come this October, the ICBC will make its debut in Vancouver, British Columbia. I have a strong feeling that I'll be there. And in April of 2017, the ICBC will be going to Berlin, Germany. Ja, das ist gut. I can't wait to head to Berlin, Germany and embarrass myself with my high school German. That'll be excellent. It'll be ausgezeichnet. <laughs> oh, and uh, what else do we got to talk about here? Oh, um... The Super Bowl happened yesterday, and, um, you know, some people were kind of let down by the Super Bowl. It wasn't a big offensive fireworks, a lot of sloppy pit play, a lot of drop passes, a lot of personal foul penalties. It's not going to go down in the books as one of the best Super Bowls ever by any stretch of the imagination. But I will note two things about the Super Bowl that made me very happy. Number one, Von Miller, a defensive player, getting the Super Bowl MVP. And that happens from time to time. Uh, really nice to see it. I like, I like it when defensive guys, you know, get some props. That's great. And, and no doubt about it. Von Miller had a monster, monster Super Bowl game. And the number two thing, and I just love being able to say this is that since marijuana was legalized in Colorado and Washington, there have been three Super Bowls. The Broncos and the Seahawks played in the first one. The Seahawks then played and lost in the second one. And the Broncos then played in one in the third one. So that means since marijuana has been legalized, out of three Super Bowls, the Broncos and Seahawks have both played in two of them, and the Broncos and Seahawks have both won one of them. Marijuana, the gateway to the Lombardi Trophy. Speaking of marijuana and football, make sure you check out gridironcannabis.com. It's the website of the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition with Kyle Turley and Ricky Williams and Nate Jackson and a bunch of other football players who say, let's open up medical marijuana to these players. Let's stop suspending them for their marijuana use. It's the best protective for concussions there is. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about this Bill and Hillary Clinton thing and a look at Marley Naturals. Ain't so natural, you ask me. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs... They're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Almost nine after the hour here at Rolla J Studios. Folks in the chat room are talking about uh, Bernie Sanders' appearance on Saturday Night Live this weekend with uh, Larry David. The Burn Your Enthusiasm skit was great. Loved it. Good stuff. And it's, uh, it's kind of nice now because, uh, as you know, I'm going to be living on the road this year. Throughout all of 2016, I'm going to be traveling across the United States uh, reporting on marijuana legalization this year. Uh, I head to San Francisco this weekend, Seattle the following weekend, Fort Worth the weekend after that, and there's just going to be plenty of travel this year. And so that means I got to go completely remote. And I've already got the remote studio. It's amazing. I can I can fit an entire two-person professional radio broadcast into a laptop backpack and a camera bag. Like I'm totally carry on and can report from anywhere and stream anywhere as long as it's got electricity and Wi-Fi. So you're going to hear a lot of me from a lot of different places coming up over uh, the next few months. But also I had to figure out how am I going to take my TV with me? Cause there's, you know, there's certain shows that I relax to and, and I enjoy because, uh, Folks, I don't know if you know this. I'm all about marijuana. Like, I literally wake up, and the first thing I do is I get onto the computer and check the latest marijuana stories and do tweets and Facebook posts and start analyzing stories for my my show and researching statistics and so forth. 
Everything I do is marijuana focused except for two other things, football and my TV watching. And, and there's not a lot. I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't have the time for it. But I do like HBO. I like to catch Bill Maher and John Oliver and Vice, right? And I do love watching Saturday Night Live, catching up on that. And then there's a couple of, you know, junk food shows that I watch, like uh, Trash TV. Like I watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because <laughs> number one, the women on that show are fabulously uh, pretty. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, also, it's just, you know, comic book show. It's a lot of fun to watch. So there's a few shows that I like to follow. Now, following all these on cable has become prohibitively expensive. My cable bill per month at the last Roller J Studios I just moved out of is 250 bucks a month. Now, that included cable, HBO, and high-speed internet. The highest speed internet, by the way, that it could be, right? So, yeah, I did increase my bill a bit with that. But still, $250 a month was insane. So now, switched over, and we've got Hulu, Netflix, and HBO Now. Subscribing to all of those for somewhere around $35, $40 bucks a month. And then got the Verizon cell phone with the big, big data plan. And I can use the uh, cell phone as a mobile hotspot. And so for my monthly cost used to be about 250 and the cost for the cell phone, I'm going to be able to get these down to around 200 bucks a month. And I want to thank those of you who are continuing sponsors of the Russ Belville show. I know we've been in transition moving off of 420 radio and switching over to cannabis radio. And in that transition, I haven't yet uh, firmed up my whole VIP thing. And some of you still have some old VIP donations coming in. And, and I tell you, I, I so appreciate it because it's helping to pay those bandwidth bills and those subscription bills. Um, but, uh, uh, we're going to get that reinstated on the radical Russ website any day now. Uh, I hope by the end of March, uh, I'm looking for some professional web designers who can help me redesign radicalrust.com because frankly, it's gotten too big and unwieldy for me to handle it. We'll keep you posted, let you know, uh, about that situation. All right. Uh, let's get back to some, uh, talking about this Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton thing and the attack on Bernie Sanders. Uh, and his supporters as being online sexist trolls, the so-called Bernie bros phenomenon. I don't disagree. There's been some awful sexist, mean things said about Hillary Clinton. And by comparison, you don't see those kind of mean trolling comments about Bernie Sanders. So I get what they're upset about, but I also think they're completely over magnifying the troll to human ratio <laughs> on the internet, right? See, the power of trolls is that one of them or a few of them seem like a lot of them because they're the ones that put in the most comments. Like when you see all these mean trollish kind of comments, scroll through the page and notice how many are from the same guy. It's just the same guy posting different things on different websites, but it's generally the same account, right? And that the people who aren't trollish are also the kind of people that rarely leave comments. So, you know, don't put too much stock into what you're seeing on internet comment boards. If I put a lot of stock into what I saw written about me on the internet, I'd have eaten a shotgun years ago. <laughs> just some mean, terrible things said about me. And you just have to accept that that's part of the online world. And I think where there's this disconnect is that guys like 
David Brock and Bill Clinton and Lloyd Blankfein and Hillary Clinton, they're from a different era. They're 20th century people. Like, they take internet comments as to be, like, real people who would say and think those real things in reality. And they don't understand that, you know, trolls are just kind of a part of the society of the internet. You know, it doesn't really represent what's going on in the real world. I think, and I said this in the rant, that a huge part of Bernie Sanders' support among young people is that he's actually speaking to the needs of young people. You know, how many campaigns have we seen where the politicians talk about capital gains, tax cuts, and preferred nation trading status, and authorizations for the use of military force, and a whole bunch of topics that, yeah, they have import to young people, since they're the ones that serve in wars and can be affected by the economy for the longest time, etc. But nothing that's like a direct young people issue. What does the average young person care about the capital gains tax or the estate tax or negotiations about trade deals? They don't see it as directly affecting them. But when you start to talk to young people about having to amass $50,000 worth of debt to get a degree that doesn't get you a job that can pay for that debt, now you've caught their attention. When you start to talk to young people about medical care and not having to go through a labyrinth of employer options and different plans to try to cover yourself, but instead, you know, just being like any other OCED company or country and having some sort of public health care, that's something that speaks directly to young people. And when we start talking about legalization of marijuana, when young people are three out of four of the people who get arrested for marijuana, when young people know somebody in their social set who's had setbacks because of getting caught for marijuana, that speaks directly to those young people. And that's why they're supporting Senator Sanders in marked numbers above Hillary Clinton. And it doesn't help that Hillary Clinton is a throwback candidate. She's an establishment candidate. You talk to these young people and say, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great to go back to the Clinton years in the 90s? And they're like, what, when I was in kindergarten? There's no reference for them about how the pot or the dot-com bubble was such a big thing and the economy is great and everybody had jobs and everybody loved Bill Clinton. It means nothing to them. doesn't register to them. All it does register is 20th century, old school, old and it's kind of an ironic thing that this, that 74-year-old Bernie Sanders has better cachet with the young people than 69-year-old Hillary Clinton. But again, it's because Bernie speaks like a young person. What he's been saying has been virtually the same since 1963. You can go back and see his speeches in the House and in the Senate where he's been consistent. And another aspect of this, I think, that the Clinton camp and the establishment Democrats cannot see is how fed up young people are with America being in a perpetual state of war. If you're a 19-year-old voter, hell, if you're a 21-year-old voter, if you're a 25-year-old voter, 
America's been at war for as long as you can remember. We've been at war in Afghanistan for almost 15 years now. There are two things that are a constant when they think of America, and that is ever since they've been aware politically, America's been at war in the Middle East, and there's been legal medical marijuana. They don't remember a time when we weren't at war and when marijuana was not a medicine. So you get a candidate that says, hey, maybe we ought not go to war every year in the Middle East for some reason when there's plenty of armies in the Middle East, Muslim armies, Muslim countries, Saudi Arabia, we're looking at you, Jordan, we're looking at you that have massive armies that could be dealing with this situation. But they don't have to deal with it because Uncle Sugar will come in and deal with it. He'll put the boots on the ground. He'll get the the kids with their limbs blown off. And the younger voters aren't going to put up with that anymore. It's their friends that are the ones that come back missing an arm, missing a leg with post-traumatic stress that they get put in prison for if they use marijuana to treat. So, yeah, Sanders comes off as the anti-war pro-marijuana candidate No wonder he's doing better among the young people. But those are the elephants in the room that the establishment Democrats cannot address because Hillary Clinton is on the wrong side of both of them. She's still on the prohibition side. She's still on the drug war side. She's still on the real war side. That sucks. I hate... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even Beavis and Butthead don't like Hillary. Don't worry, Hillary. Beavis and Butthead don't vote. You're safe there. Hey, folks, it's 420 here in the Pacific Time Zone. That means I need to rush off to a very important union-mandated safety briefing with the strong silicone, unbreakable glow-in-the-dark bomb. We're back right after this. Gather with fellow cannabis companies past the Golden Gate to San Francisco and the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference, February 13th and 14th at the fabulous Hyatt Regency. Register now at internationalcbc.com. Learn from leading industry luminaries like cannabis celebrity legend Tommy Chong, former Surgeon General Dr. Joycelyn Elders, best-selling author Andrew Sullivan, and so many more. Plus, exhibitors, expert panels, and education made to calibrate your new or existing cannabis plan. Catch CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show at the 2016 International Cannabis Business Conference and register at InternationalCBC.com now. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belville Show. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. 
The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour. And I'm going to move on now to a topic that's kind of interesting to me. And that's this uh, this debut of Marley Naturals. The Marley Natural brand, of course, uh, is a venture by Privateer Holdings. you got to love a, a place called Privateer Holdings, right? Privateer being basically, um, you know, commandeered ships, right? (laughs) Stolen ships in the time of war. So uh, Privateer entered into a licensing deal with the estate of the late Bob Marley, whose birthday was this Saturday. He would have been 71. And uh, licensed his name for this line of cannabis products, Marley Natural. And they've got uh, marijuana, pipes, cannabis oil, hemp seed body wash, and more. An eighth of Marley Natural Weed will go for just $50, folks. Only $50 an eighth for Marley Natural Weed. And the uh, half gram of Marley Natural Oil will go for just $40. Just $40 a half gram. Uh, in case your sarcasm detectors aren't working, I'm being very sarcastic about that. 50 bucks an eighth is $400 an ounce. Bob Marley himself better have come back from the grave and grown this on the mountains of Jamaica for it to be $400 an ounce. Even when we're talking about the average California dispensary prices, like we mentioned, $300 an ounce in California, that's pretty hefty, 400 bucks an ounce, 50 bucks an eighth, just because it says Marley Natural on it. 40 bucks a half gram for oil. Uh, some of the pipes, some of the trays, you know, 60 bucks, 80 bucks, 120 bucks for some of these different items. And I'm reading the uh, piece here on uh, Rolling Stone magazine talking about the splashy L.A. cannabis launch up in the Hollywood Hills. And... Uh, I just, it's tough for me to get my mind around the idea of the corporate exploitation of Bob Marley's name. I mean, I'm not surprised, okay? Right? But I just, you know, what would Bob Marley himself have to say about this? I don't fault his family, right? You got to make a living. I don't fault his family here. I'm not necessarily saying this is wrong. It's expected. It's capitalism. I I see it happening. It's just on some sort of philosophical level, just this just feels icky, right? It'd be like licensing, you know, 
Gandhi as a spokesperson for caviar. Licensing Mother Teresa brand lingerie. There's just so, I mean, it's not wrong, I guess. It's not against the law. <laughs> it just seems there's something not right about it. Are you with me on this? And, and, and the other thing, of course, is that this is launched with privateer and the weed grown isn't grown in Jamaica. It's not helping the Jamaican ganja farmer. And, and, and I got to visit Jamaica last year and fell in love with the place and the people. And you see images of Bob Marley everywhere you go. Cultural icon, their hero. And to think what they must think when they read these stories about Marley Natural and rich white Americans buying it for buying American grown marijuana for 50 bucks an eighth with Bob Marley's name on it, while the Jamaican ganja farmers can't engage in this international trade, in this international business because of the treaties and the laws and the prohibition. It's just weird to me. Now, it's my hope that the money being made off of the Marley Natural brand going to, in some degree, I'd have to imagine, to the Marley estate could then be cycled into Jamaica and the people and help them out somehow. I hope. It's just, ah, oh man, it just seems very weird to me, this whole Marley Natural. It just doesn't seem natural for Marley weed to be not grown in Jamaica and to cost 50 bucks an eighth for 50 bucks. Oh, I was in Jamaica. They, I could have got a garbage bag full of Jamaican ganja. Well, maybe not that big, but maybe a, one of them plastic store sacks <laughs> for 50 bucks. You can get a lot of weed in Jamaica. It's not the best weed. It's it can be seedy and it's, you know, if it's approaching 12 or 14%, you're lucking out. Uh, but it's not no 50 and eight. That's for damn sure. So I don't know this, this Marley natural thing. You can talk to me about this in the chat room. What you think about this? Uh, yeah. John Thomas says the Marley's are trying to pay off their coffee business debt. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know, we have a chat room here, uh, live for the Russ Belleville show. You just go to uh, cannabisradio.com and scroll down to where you find the player. And on the player, there's a little talk balloon. And on that talk balloon, you click that, you'll get a pop-up window. That'll help you out. Also, speaking of CannabisRadio.com, coming up in just about a half hour, top of the hour, we got the Stoner Jesus show coming up. Get blessed by Stoner Jesus and the Stony Spirit. Does he have a Stony Spirit? There ought to be a Stony Spirit. I'm not too big on religion, so I, I, I wouldn't be exactly the guy to ask, would I? There's another story I've got to get to. Oh, my God. This one. This is in the New York Daily News. Love the headline. California jury awards $5.7 million to former PTA president framed with drugs by angry parents. What? <laughs> so what happened here? Uh, this is um, in California. Two irate parents uh, that are now divorced. Um sought to get revenge on a PTA president. And it was because, okay, so it's Kent and Jill, 
Kent and Jill Easter, who used to be married, now they're not, who are also both lawyers. Um, Jill confronted the PTA parent because Jill's son was not waiting for her outside the school to get picked up. The PTA president said to the mom that her son was a little slow getting outside, uh, which the mom interpreted as the PTA president saying the boy was slow, like, like intelligence wise, right? Developmentally disabled. So their conflict escalated. The mom accused the PTA president of stalking her son, demanded the PTA president be removed. School found nothing wrong from the PTA president, never did anything. So in 2011, the married couple, Jill and Kent, hatched a plan what they believe to be a brilliant plot. This is according to the Daily News. They planted marijuana and prescription pills in Peter's car. Then Kent called the cops using a fake name and Indian accent <laughs> uh, and blew in Peter's for supposed erratic driving and blew in Peter's. Okay. Told on P uh, Peter's, the PTA mom, called her in for the supposed erratic driving on school grounds. This led to Peter's, the PTA president, being detained for police questioning for about two hours with her daughter seeing this whole thing going on, right? PTA president was crying and begging for him not to put the drugs on the car because people would see it. Everybody was looking at me and I felt very humiliated. So uh, the Easter's, the couple accused the PTA president of exaggerating her distress, but the fellow Kent sheepishly confessed to the phoned in crime. When asked in court, if he planted the drugs, he replied very stupidly. And unfortunately, yes. So this couple who planted the drugs on the PTA president forced her to get cuffed and stuffed and questioned with drugs on the hood of her car, right in front of all the kids at school, just won $5.7 million in damages. You cannot plant drugs on people to get them busted. I don't care who they are, what they did. That is forbidden. Back in that, you know, around 2011, and maybe it was because of this case. Was it 2011 or longer? But I got into a Twitter fight with Dr. Drew. You know Dr. Drew Pinsky, the uh, TV uh, celebrity uh, psycho babblist, right? Dr. Drew and I got into a kind of a Twitter beef because he had come out and said that if he was, and this was back when Lindsay Lohan was getting into all sorts of trouble, drunk driving and pills and all the terrible things she was doing, right? When Lindsay Lohan was in trouble, Dr. Phil had gone, Dr. Phil, what's the difference? Dr. Drew <clears throat> had gone off about how if he was the father, he would plant drugs in Lindsay's car and call the police. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's terrible. You shouldn't applaud that. <laughs> I would plant funny, the. Odd keystroke sometimes makes for comedy. Uh, I would plant drugs in her car and call the police so she'd get busted so that they'd force her into rehab. And I called out Dr. Drew on this. I'm like, that is such, I don't even remember the exchange, but basically my thought process being that is such bullshit. You don't, you don't felonize somebody to force them into treatment. 
even if it's good for them. You know, what freedom has to mean, right? Freedom has to mean that you're free to make bad decisions too, or it's not freedom. If you're only free to make a certain set of good decisions, not really freedom. And I'm not talking about crimes, right? You're not free to choose to rape or murder or commit arson, right? But what Lindsay Lohan was up to was drinking herself to death and being addicted to pills. If you're just doing it to yourself, you can't be forced into rehab. I'm sorry, that's just wrong. And framing someone to get them into rehab, especially your own daughter. Oh my God, that was just beyond the pale. So we got in a beef about this and went back and forth. Uh, so I'm happy to see this, that, that people get the message that you cannot plant drugs on people to try to get them busted, to use prohibition as a tool of revenge. That's just evil and unacceptable. Now, the $5.7 million, uh, according to this story, New York Daily News, uh, the, the male of the couple, Kent, declared bankruptcy a week before the trial started. His law license has been suspended. Uh, Jill, the uh, wife, she's been disbarred. And, um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, they'll have to pay $4 million of this themselves. Yeah. Like she's ever going to see that money, but, uh, good for her. Good for this lady. And wow. What a weird couple. All right, folks, stay tuned. We got more marijuana talk coming up. We've got some reefer madness out of the UK who, uh, says people who don't believe the gateway theory are deluded. They're just deluded. And uh, from Marijuana Politics, Cannabis Cartman, that would be Chris Christie, attacks Reefer Madness Rubio. Marijuana is having its effect in the 2016 election. We'll cover it for you here on the Russ Bell Show and my writing on MarijuanaPolitics.com. Check it out today. We're back after this message from our sponsors. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that, too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. Ar, ar, ar. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. 39 after the hour, and we're going to go across the pond for this tale of someone who's apparently famous that I don't know, (laughs) but a fellow by the name of Jason Donovan, who is the singer, who is a singer and the former star of Neighbors, not the John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd film, but Neighbors with a U. That I've never heard of. It's an Australian TV show. Apparently very popular. Neighbors. I imagine it's like Friends, right? That's my guess. Truthfully, I don't care. But anyway, Jason Donovan has spoken out about his drug use and insisted that weed was a direct line to other things. Yes, terror. He insisted that anyone who doesn't think smoking cannabis leads to harder drugs like cocaine is, quote, deluded, end quote. He said he started smoking cannabis on the set of the Australian TV show Neighbors before he left in 1989 and said that weed was essentially a direct line to Class A drugs. He said that he moved on from cannabis to cocaine and at one point was snorting up to 30 lines a day when he was playing the lead role in the West End production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat from 1991 to 92. He quit all drugs in 2000. All right, uh, Jason. Come here for a second. Um, let me explain something to you. Uh, anybody who is in a popular television show has the kind of access to weed and cocaine that normal human beings never have. Okay? So your gateway was not marijuana. Your gateway was stardom. This idea that smoking pot then leads you to using other drugs has been discounted and debunked by every reputable scientific organization that's ever studied the topic since you stopped doing drugs. 1999, Institutes of Medicine, University of Pittsburgh, all sorts of studies around the planet have concluded the same thing. There's nothing about marijuana itself, pharmacologically, that programs your mind or primes your circuits or entices you to seek a better high or any of the bullshit psychobabble junk science excuses they make for why there is a progression in drug use. Now, Sociologically speaking, that's where your gateway lies. 
The reason being that the only thing that differentiates someone who started with alcohol and then moved on to cocaine from someone who started with marijuana and then moved on to cocaine, and by the way, there's more of the former than the latter, is the fact that alcohol is a legal drug, so nobody considers it a gateway. That you, you didn't step past something and do something wrong that entered you into the world of those terrible, icky, illegal drug users. It's the illegality of marijuana that does that, or as they say across the pond, cannabis, that does that. It's that, oh, he smoked an illegal drug, and then he did other illegal drugs. And you make a post hoc ergo propter hoc of, oh, since this happened first and then that happened and they're both illegal, that therefore the first illegal led to the second illegal. No. Even statistically, it's not true. Like I said, there's more people that move on from alcohol as their first drug to then cocaine than marijuana as their first drug and then to cocaine. Far more. Why is that also is because of far greater access to alcohol far more popular use of alcohol and then to the lesser extent as marijuana is number two on the list because it's the next most popular and most used and accessible drug. It's just the math, man. It has nothing to do with a psychological or pharmacological or physiological effect. You can, as you know, I make this little point all the time that just because Every member of the Hell's Angels first bicycle was a bike with training wheels. Doesn't mean that getting your kid a bike with training wheels is going to turn him into a Hell's Angel someday. You're looking the wrong direction. You're, you're focusing the wrong way. But yeah, he, he used a uh, smoke pot in 1989 before 1989 and then ends up snorting 30 lines a day. In 9192, you know the kind of money you got to make and access you got to have to have the luxury of snorting 30 lines of cocaine a day? That's part of your gateway, just the access to it. And it's something to be said about making a, a, a scare about something that leads to something scarier. It implicitly says that the first thing ain't that scary, that we don't have enough to scare you about pot, cannabis, right? But if pot leads to the scary meth, coke, or heroin, then then it's more scary, right? You know what that kind of thinking does? It makes some people think, well, okay, then I'll just do pot. I won't, I just won't, I just won't, uh, use heroin or coke or meth. Like if you're trying to keep people off pot, this line of reasoning doesn't really help your cause any. It makes a lot of younger people think, well, oh, okay. So what you're saying is pot's a gateway to these worst things. So don't go through the gateway. Because otherwise you got to convince them that there's some inexorable pull that will force you to do it, right? And that's where this gateway thinking from ex-addicts acts as kind of um, a rationalization, justification, victimhood kind of thing, right? 
Oh, woe is me. I started with weed and it pulled me into cocaine. No, motherfucker. You chose to snort some cocaine. Own up to your actions. Own up to what happened and what you did. Go get him, Roscoe. You're damn right. You're damn right, Roscoe. Love having the dog here. But, you know, you can, you make the choice, right? I smoke marijuana. I choose to use cannabis daily. I'm not running around looking for no cocaine. I'm with Muddy Waters on that one. Ain't got time for no cocaine. It's a choice you make and own up to that and quit trying to blame it on weed and try to foster this gateway theory. It's not helping your cause of keeping people off weed. And it's not factually true. (laughs) And... An emerging body of evidence is showing it to be quite counter to the truth that for many people, marijuana is the exit drug that gets them off of cocaine or heroin or meth. We're finding more and more that people that use cannabis as part of their medicinal regimen are able to use fewer of their opioid prescription pills. And when they use fewer of their opioid prescription pills, they don't have to use all of the anti-nausea pills, the laxative pills. So we're finding cannabis to be the exit drug for many people and the terminus drug for others. When we talk about recreational use, we find that most of the people that smoke pot, that's where they stop. Now, that's not to say the people who smoke pot might not try other drugs. Primarily, we find pot smokers are kind of into mushrooms. And that's to be expected, both kind of natural in a sense, right? And, and you know, it's, uh, you know, pot at its basic, you know, it, it's, it's, it gets misclassified as a narcotic. It's technically a hallucinogen, a very, very mild hallucinogen. So it's, and there might be some natural kind of spillover between those type of crowds, but, you know, your pot users tend to like mushrooms. And we, we found that in Amsterdam when they originally set up the coffee shops, you could get marijuana and a small quantity of magic mushrooms. We don't often find pot users who are also using meth or using heroin or using cocaine to any great degree. But we do find that, you know, there will be some who try it. And I don't have the numbers to be able to prove it, but I'm of the belief that people that are strongly engaged in the cannabis lifestyle, even when they do try those other drugs are less resistant to end up having problems with those other drugs. I'd like to crunch the numbers and find that out for sure. It's going to be one of my drug war data mining uh, assignments someday is examination of the actual of the gateway. How, How often do people that have tried pot try other drugs? How often If they've tried other drugs, did they continue using those other drugs as compared to the control group of people who never tried pot, but then tried other drugs? There are those people. (laughs) I know someone whose first illegal drug was heroin. There was no gateway. This person started with heroin, later became a pot smoker to get off heroin. There's There's all kinds out there. So it'd be interesting to crunch those numbers, I think, and find out. You know, uh, is there a protective effect of marijuana use that protects against addiction to other things? You know, imagine 
you know, from that evolutionary point of view, the evolutionary benefit in such a thing, right? If, 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 if a species is evolving like mankind that learns how to use roots and berries and barks and leaves and flowers to psychoactive benefit and physical medical benefit, things like poppies and, and the opioids that you get from them that are crucially beneficial for, you know, major trauma, but also have an addictive quality that can be harmful in the long term. What evolutionary benefit is there of the cannabis plant fighting that off? You know, it reminds me of the Abilify commercial, right? Where you got the one pill for your depression. If it's not working enough, we got another pill that helps that out. Well, nature gave us these opioids or these uh, hallucinogenics and all sorts of natural substances of which in limited quantities for specific use, they're good. But if we continue to use them, we become addictive. They become maladaptive. So here's this plant that prevents that from happening, works in balance and synergy with those other plants and fungi. That's just something I think about. I <laughs> just something, something I muse on, man. It's like, what is the purpose of it all? I, I, I often think that cannabis is the plant version of the canine, right? Man's companion throughout the evolutionary journey. And our interaction with those species shaped those species. We made cannabis what it is. We made dogs what they are. But also, dogs and cannabis helped us to become what we are. That's some pretty good weed we got in Oregon, isn't it? (laughs) We're going to take a break. Uh, Remember, Stoner Jesus coming up at the top of the hour. We're just going to close things up here at Rolla J Studios in our uh, last week in Portland for a while. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back right after these messages. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details.
You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Well, that's easy for you to say, Dan Michaels. Welcome back, folks. Coming up top of the hour, we got Stoner Jesus. He's waiting up in the chat room. Join us in the chat room on CannabisRadio.com. Scroll down to the live player and look for the little cartoon balloon. You click that, it'll be waving at you. Click that, it'll open up a page. You can listen to Cannabis Radio and chat with us live. It's a lot of fun. I'm live and Stoner Jesus is live here on CannabisRadio.com every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Of course, I'm here Monday through Friday, except for the days I'm not here. <laughs> Got that? Makes a lot of sense. Um, by the way, for uh, Roland Reverend in the, in the chat room, sore jaw. Yeah, sometimes when you do acid, you'll clench your jaw a lot. You grit your teeth kind of. It makes your jaw sore. Just a little tip. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't want to give too many tips out here, but um, thanks, everybody, for joining us today on the show. Remember, coming up tomorrow, we've got our extra special International Cannabis Business Conference panel discussion with Anthony Johnson from Measure 91 in Oregon, Debbie Goldsberry from, well, she was with Berkeley Patients Group, wasn't she? And now she's with, I don't remember who she's with now. I'll have to look that up. But she's been a longtime activist, woman of the year type. Uh, she'll be joining us from California. And in Guyo Bielum, the funniest cannabis comedian out there. I say that without reservation and even knowing Doug Benson, right? Well, I don't know Doug Benson. I just, yeah, I've met Doug Benson. But anyway, in Guyo, Anthony, Debbie, they'll be on starting at half past and going into hour two, Toker Talk Radio, so you'll be able to call in and ask them questions. We're going to be discussing a lot about what's going on with Oregon and the medical marijuana and OHA and all these limits. We'll also talk about California, the Sean Parker Adult Use of Marijuana Initiative, although they don't want us to call it the Sean Parker Initiative because it's lots of people. Uh, so the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. We'll talk about that. We'll take your live calls at 971-533-7111. That's tomorrow's show here on CannabisRadio.com. And speaking of Adult Use of Marijuana Act, next Friday, the 19th, I'll be at Seattle's CannaCon, and I'll be hosting a live discussion with Chris Conrad and Mickey Norris discussing that Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California, debunking some of the rumors and scaremongering about it, and taking live calls. So if you've got a problem with the Adult Use of Marijuana Act or questions about it, next Friday, the 19th, will be the show to tune into on CannabisRadio.com, the Russ Belville Show. We'll also have archives up there after those shows up on CannabisRadio.com. Stay tuned because Stoner Jesus is coming up next. We are closing things out here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. And I uh, want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thanks a lot. And why won't that play? There we go. <laughs> Still getting everything automated. For everyone here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, I'm Radical Russ. Join us tomorrow for the special on the International Cannabis Business Conference and check me out this weekend from San Francisco. I'll have all sorts of things to post from the International Cannabis Business Conference, including an interview, crossing my fingers, with former Surgeon General Dr. Joycelyn Elders. That'll be a good one. Thanks a lot, everybody. Keep supporting us here at Cannabis Radio. Tell everybody about it. Lots of changes coming up over the next few months. I'm Radical Russ. Till next time.
Take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Okay, thank you very much. Um, now, uh, marijuana and driving, as we know, is actually a very hot issue. It was one of the leading concerns that was expressed by our opposition in the uh, Prop 19 campaign. comes up all the time when you're discussing marijuana legalization. Now, I'm going to try to show you why concerns uh, about an epidemic of uh, casualties from marijuana, from stone drivers, are highly exaggerated, uh, but uh, I would remind you of what the very first of uh, 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 federal drug czar, Harry Anslinger, said uh, that legalizing marijuana would mean slaughter on the highways. Uh, most of what Mr. Anslinger ever said about marijuana was wrong. I'm going to try to convince you of the same thing, but first I'm going to have to come up with a disclaimer, especially at this conference. Let me say at the outset, marijuana does have proven adverse effects on driving skills. Studies, and there have been a lot of them, show that marijuana can impair concentration, reaction time, especially complex reaction time where you have decisions to make, peripheral vision, steadiness 